you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addison's. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki, and I'm Will. And I want to say, D Youngblood and our brother Richard are on tap. Yes. I think. Th- okay, great. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> um, hopefully, we've got um, a thought-provoking show for you today. Uh, we want to uh, implore parents to uh, do their job. Like that's 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 today's topic. Parents, you must do your job. Mm. You must do your job. And I no want to bring in. <laughs> There's no choice. There's no choice. I think really, and, and I, in a way, I think that parents already understand that we must do our jobs and, and or do our job. Um, however, you want to, there are many jobs, but mm-hmm. there's the chief one that I want to focus on today. So that's what I mean when I say do your job. Like, I know that there are other things that comprise parenting. Yes. I, I mean, I'm doing it. I'm in it with you. <laughs> like right now. I'm not. Looking back on years gone by. I'm in right. it right now. At this moment. Um, at this very moment. Yes. Okay. And going to be at it for a while. So <laughs> we'll be singing together. Okay. <laughs> but today I want to focus on the chief job mm. of any parent. And I'm, I'm going to boil this down. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say specifically a Christian parent. But in scripture, and, and I'm not going to be able to unpack all of this today. Mm-hmm. In scripture... You see, even before the nation of Israel is formed and even before you have the birth of the church, Mm -hmm. um, there was a common grace and expectation that parents would pass on their faith to their children. Yes. In other words, in the Old Testament, from the very beginning, the idea is communicated. Okay, Um, almost that it's a natural communication, a natural understanding that the knowledge of God would proliferate first in the familial context. Mm. And then it just continues on from there. And so what goes from um, tradition and common understanding that parents would pass on to their children what they know to be true about God. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's a common grace, a common understanding. Then it is actually specifically taught to the nation that God sets apart uh, for himself a people who will preserve the knowledge of God in the earth are expressly taught that they are to preserve the knowledge of who God is first in Mm. their children. Mm. Then when you go to a new Testament context at the birth of the church preached in the very first sermon of the church, you've got the, I'm sorry. I just feel like I came out of the gate hot. I'm sorry. I don't know why. <laughs> sorry, guys. I just heard myself. I'm not upset. I'm just very passionate about this. Yeah. This is something that means a lot it to translates. me. Okay. Go okay. Ahead. Okay. So sorry. I just felt like I was yelling. Um. <laughs> so then in the first century of the church at the very, the very first sermon that is preached on the day of Pentecost, what happens is everything that the Jews who were gathered in Jerusalem would have understood. That is um, what would have been passed down. Um, throughout their families, it was reiterated in the presentation of the gospel that was given by Peter on the day of Pentecost when he says, okay, basically, 
These men are not drunk like you think. Mm -hmm. Okay. But he's saying that what you are seeing, okay, this is all a part of the promise. And then he says, and this promise is for you and for your children. Yeah. And for everyone afar off whom the Lord your God will call. Why are children listed secondly here? Why, why are they the second in the list? Well, because if you go back to the Old Testament, there was always the understanding that the knowledge of the faith would mm. pass from the parent That's to right. the child. That's right. So, so Peter is not skipping or creating some new understanding in the context of the church. He's reiterating what that expectation is. This goes back to Deuteronomy chapter six, right? Mm. That these things that you hear, you're going to keep all of these laws and these commandments. You're going to write them on your heart. Like they're written on your heart. You're going to pass these on to Mm -hmm. your children. Mm -hmm. You're going to live according to God's righteous standards. And then, and then in the day to come, when your son says, I say, Dad, why are we doing these things? <laughs> then, then you're going to say, because we were slaves in Egypt. So in other words... It's a pathway it, for, the, for the goodness it, of God to be translated to the next it, generation. Boom. Yes. Boom. So what is happening, and this is based on some new Pew Research uh, information, what is happening is that this isn't happening. Mm. This isn't happening. Wow. Um, parents now are not so much concerned with passing on their faith to their children. Now, look, I understand that there may be some people among us that you're like, well, I'm glad you're not passing on that because you're wrong. (laughs) Okay, got it. But I think it also speaks of a larger problem here. Mm. It is a full, I think it's it's a full presentation of the decline in parenting, a moving further and further away from the God-given mandate, from the the natural expectation of parents that you would take your beliefs and you would take your convictions and you would pass that on to your children. For us to live in a time now where this is little or not done at all, right, shows evidence of a greater rebellion against God than we realize mm. like this, this it is a rejection. It's not a rejection. And, and I, and I'm going to focus on, you know, Christians, uh, cause I are one. Okay. We focus <laughs> on Christians, but I think in a larger sense, um, this goes back to a, a rejection of God's sovereignty that, that even among those who, you know, would not be included in the nation of Israel, even those who through Israel do not receive the Messiah. So that would be us, the Christians. We, we do not accept Jesus Christ. Those who, for whom it is true that they do not accept Jesus Christ. Even back in the beginning, the knowledge of God was spread from parent to child. Mm-hmm. The knowledge of God was spread from That's parent right. to child. If you go back and you read it, yeah. you can see that it's very clear. Yes. Um, so it's, it's tragic. It's tragic. And yet also very telling that parents are not doing this. I think mm. it also is indicative of the other failures that we see happening mm. on the part of parents because included in this knowledge of God from the very beginning, you see parents move to protect their kids, to train their kids, uh, just common cultural norms, all of these things passed down from parent to child. And all of that has in today's 21st century America effectively been wrestled away from parents. So mm. parents are not passing down the knowledge of God to their children. Parents are not actively training and equipping their children to live as productive citizens in the culture uh, in which they exist. This is a problem. We see it happening, right? Uh, parents do not take seriously um, what it is that their kids are being taught intellectually, mm-hmm. psychologically. They, this, they cannot be bothered with that. And this is tragic. But I think all of it 
points to a picture of just a wholesale rebellion against God. Like, you know what? All of the things that you expect, we're not doing any of it. We're not doing any of it. It shouldn't be so for the Christian, especially it shouldn't be so for the Christian. But what I'm attempting to set up here is that at a very basic level, the knowledge of God, and it is not when I say common, I don't mean that to be um, irreverent, but it is it is a let me say it the way Paul says it to the Romans. uh, It is a man is without excuse grace (laughs) that God is real. So so the knowledge of God being passed down to children is available and accessible for people, even if they're not Christian. That's the point. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Big picture here. But then I want to zoom in and let me go. I've got two articles here. I've got one that I was reading. It's more recent. And then the other is the same take on the Pew Research study. But it's from uh, just last month uh, looking at the value of passing down our faith to our children Mm -hmm. um, as Christians. Mm -hmm. The article that I'm going to share with you from January is interesting to me because I don't like attaching the proliferation of the gospel to um, our kids need of it because it will help them feel better in culture. Mm. So so that's a little bit of a problem for me in the January article, although I understand what the writer is suggesting, yeah. you know, looking at the mental health issues and all of these things that are going on. And, and, and what he is saying is that when people have faith, you know, they can make it through these situations. I, I just, I'm careful not to present a lucky rabbit's foot gospel. <laughs> right. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, definitely. you know, are are you feeling sad? Squeeze this gospel, hold mm-hmm. on to it tight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, because it's a fact. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a fact. So it doesn't, it's not something that we turn to to make us feel a certain way, mm-hmm. right? It is, it, and, and that's, and, and indeed, okay, I'm going to make that case. So I'm giving big overview <laughs> and then I'll go back and talk about why it's so vital for us to pass down our faith to our children. Let me say this. When the apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, I delivered to you what was of first importance, I just can't see how our delivering anything to our kids, you know, above the gospel could be of more importance. Mm. You know, I, I just I don't see it. If, if the Apostle Paul says to the church, I delivered to you what was a first importance, first importance. Now, again, what do we understand? He didn't say only importance. Okay, yeah, you, you're living. There are things that you have to do. There are other things that become important in life. And, and we understand that. We live in this world. We've got to occupy until the Lord comes again. But the thing that is of first importance is the gospel. Yeah. And he says, I delivered to you what was of first importance, what I also received. Mm. So again, you think of this in a familial context. How is it that we could be found delivering to our kids anything over and above the gospel and calling that, you know, first importance. Now, the trick is, and, and when I say the trick, I mean the tool of the enemy to deceive us, is that we will deliver these things first, but we won't call them first importance. Mm-hmm. We just treat them as if they are. You understand? Well, so in yeah. practice, we are saying to our kids, all of these things, anything that you present above and beyond the gospel, or above the gospel, let me say that, not beyond, above the gospel, anything that you present above the gospel and stay there, you know, you feel like you've got to continue to press that in. What you are communicating to your kids and to your grandkids 
is that that's of first importance. Please do not think that because you say to your kid that the gospel is of utmost importance, the gospel is the most important thing, Jesus is most important in my life, and then live every other way, please mm. do not think that your kid is going to take your words above your actions. Mm. They will take the actions, right? They will think, they will grow to learn that, oh, hypocrisy must just be a natural part of living. Mm. That's what kids do. Yeah. They say, oh, you say that, and people like when you say that, especially in Christian circles, but we are free to live something totally different from that. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. So then what you pass down, if you pass down anything at all, is you pass down a very shallow existence in the Christian faith. A very, it's, it, it can be put down the list of other things in practice. Now, not in word, because unfortunately for many of us, we are also um, very superstitious. <laughs> Yeah. So we would never say, of course, my Lord, my Lord, he is first in my life. First, give an honor to the Lord. Okay, (laughs) We will say that. Why? Because because we have this crazy superstition. It's like, well, I I don't want the Lord to strike me down. So, I mean, I got to say that. Right. 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 But the question is, then, you know, how do you live? Yeah. What's in the heart? Yeah. yeah, because I, I think that what is in the heart is actually that is the way that you live. Right. That is the way that you live. Is Christ of first importance? Is the gospel of first importance? If it is, not only will you say it, but you will live it and you will find yourself passing that down to your children. And that's the number one job that I want to talk about today. When I'm when I'm saying parents, we have to do our job. It is not to say that there are not other things that we do. Please, I could write a list for you. Okay. <laughs> But the job, the one that matters in eternity, the one that is of first importance, right, um, is passing the gospel Mm. down. It is making sure that our kids, as they view our lives, as they look at how we live, they are provoked in their heart. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you so different? Why are you so peculiar? They may not say peculiar, but in time they will. Mm. The question is, why? Why are you doing things not like anyone else in this world? And this was the expectation of the Hebrews. This was the expectation of those that God set apart for himself to preserve the knowledge of himself in the earth. The expectation was you guys are going to live so holy, so set apart, so distinct that as you're doing these things in every place where you are, your kids are going to say, why? Why are you doing this? And then it's the on-ramp in a a church context. For us, it's the on-ramp for the gospel. For the Jewish culture, it was the on-ramp for the presentation of the knowledge of who God is and what he did for them. You can see the foreshadowing here. Amen. You can see that God is not changing his mind about preserving the knowledge of who he is. We'll grab the break, and we'll be right back. I believe God sent his saints around the world to tell the people about his name. That his son was slain so that we could be forgiven. There's eternal life for believing and repenting. With that in mind. I'm called to go With that in mind I'm called to go Parents, we must do our job. We must do our job. That's that's today's topic. That's how we're that's how we're starting the week. <laughs> Going out of the gate. Hard and fast, parents. We must do our job. Um, there's there's just too much at stake for us to not take seriously what is of first importance. And that is the proliferation of the gospel um, in in our children's lives to make sure that they know the one um, that we've put our full faith and our trust in. And and as you'll see, as we kind of walk through this uh, today, 
Um, it is not a blind faith. I, I this is not a just I need to feel good. Mm-hmm. I need to know that what I believe is real. Yeah. I need to know that what I believe is real. And and I'm going to tell you, even the things that may start out as a feeling. And, and, and let me be very clear here. The drawing of the Holy Spirit, who is at work in your conversion, mm. by the way, can be described as a feeling. This burden, this, this, oh, man, I heard the gospel and that, you know, man, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I am a sinner. Like, that is a feeling. Like, that, that understanding of like, whoa, and, and that the weight of your sin, mm. that is a feeling. But it is not expected to stay there. And you say, well, do you have a biblical case to make for that? I do. Of course I do. <laughs> and so let me just start and then I'll get into the article here. But I, my, my passion and my concern is that parents will be responsible, that we will do what God expects us to do. And, and I, there's a part of me that wants to say, man, I don't want this to be a burden to parents, but I do. I do want it to be a burden. I want it to be the thing that you wake up thinking about in the morning. And I want it to be the thing that you thank God that you had the opportunity to think about all throughout the day as you go to bed at night. Mm. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Right. Because what else do you have that is of utmost importance that you have to succeed in? Except that your kids know Christ. It's almost like you want to say, parents, you got one job, but that's not you true. You got one job. That's not really true. <laughs> that's not really you have, true. You have a main job, though. You have a main job. You know? Of first importance. First, oh, yes. Man, I, I would like to say that. But I mean, that I, one I job, that job. I don't want to get the emails. You know, that job would, would, you know, help all the rest of the jobs, really. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Look at what the Apostle Peter said. I'm going to I'm going to read this here because when I talk about, you know, our our faith and, and the drawing work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and it beginning as a feeling. Um, but it shouldn't stay there. It shouldn't stay yeah. there. Like we each are responsible to take that feeling that leads us to Christ and then to add to that. Mm. Right. So so once you've now come to Christ, now you want to investigate that faith that first drew you by your senses. Okay, now you want the tangible reality that you have come to a faith that can hold up under the the the, the, the weight of scrutiny, that it can be investigated. You need to know that. Mm-hmm. And your children need to know that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not negating the feelings like I when, when I came to Christ, I remember at 15. And in fact, it may be true of me that I came to Christ a few different times. Like I just you know what I mean? Like you just you're growing up in church and you're just like. Mm-hmm. Lord, I repent. Like every time you hear the gospel, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, save me. Like, you know, stuck. I think yeah. I think it's stuck at 15. <laughs> I think it's stuck oh. at 15 that I really understood, you know, and 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 what it means to be a Christian. Mm. Now, I wasn't discipled until I went to college. Right. And that's a whole other topic that maybe we will talk about. Yeah. Um, anyway, but here, look at what the Apostle Peter says in the second letter. So just a little bit of context, a little bit of background. Um, the Apostle Peter has already been told by the Lord that the putting off of his body is soon. Mm. You're like, well, Miki, how do you know that? Go, because read it. He says that. <laughs> he writes it in the letter, y'all. Like, right. it's it's in the letter, okay? So he, he says that he's going to be leaving the church soon. And he intends to write something that they always are going to be able to refer to. Um, mm. And so here I am, a part of the they that are referring to it, right? Praise the Lord. He is writing scripture, and he knows he's writing scripture, which is why he he makes sure to inform us in second Peter chapter one, verse 20, I'm going to jump ahead, but then I'm going to move back. It says knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy spirit. He is writing scripture. He knows he's writing scripture. 
And this is not his own doing. He is very clear and very direct in saying this. I am writing this under the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And, and he's writing this so that you will have something that you will always be able to refer to because the putting off of his body is going to be soon. But this is what he says and in, in what he wrote. And uh, this is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Verse five, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith Mm -hmm. with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective Mm -hmm. or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Now, listen, what's the point here? So you have your faith. You come to Christ, right? But here are the supplements that you will add to that. The knowledge of who Christ is, you will grow and increase in increase in your knowledge of of who Jesus Christ is. Mm -hmm. You will be steadfast in the faith. You will be immovable in the faith. You're not going to be shaken. So there are all of these things that you add. But among those in the focus indeed of today, and I'm going to get to that in just a little bit, hopefully, um, is that increasing our knowledge of who God is passing down the faith is not something of a of a feeling that we want to pass down to our children. Okay. I can very easily and without apology um, describe to our children and Will the Great can do the same thing. Describe to our children when the Lord saved us Mm -hmm. and, and what that was like to realize, whoa, I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. I've offended the holy and righteous God of creation and I deserve hell. Mm -hmm. I, I, I deserve the sentence of death. But there is one who took that penalty for me that if I put my trust in his finished work, that I will be saved. Now, please understand, when I heard that, the Holy Spirit sprang, so to speak, into action to cause that to rest on my heart. I'm using that as a seat of the emotions here as true. Mm. So I don't I don't want to make this purely intellectual and mental assent. Yeah. This that's right. not what happened. Right. Do you understand? <laughs> Please understand the work of the spirit in mm-hmm. your conversion. Okay? It's it's not just you heard it and you thought intellectually, "Oh, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. Oh, there's historical evidence for this man Jesus. Okay, great. Well then, I believe. Sure. No, no, no. There is a work mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit did and does. All right? To keep you mm-hmm. to one to draw you Two, to keep you. It is important that our kids also have that experience. Amen. But from that point where they have that experience, we want to add knowledge to their faith. We want to make sure that they understand you've not just been called to an emotion. You've not just been called to a, oh, just have faith. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, squeeze the foot, squeeze, right. squeeze the lucky, <laughs> lucky rabbit's foot when you start to feel. No, that they have evidence for this faith. Okay, now let me get into the article here. I spent too much time. All right. 
A new survey, a survey from the Pew Research Center has found that parents passing on their faith to their children, quote, is not highly prioritized by U.S. adults. Mm. The survey discovered that, quote, fewer than half of parents place a lot of importance on their children sharing their religious and political beliefs. Just 35 percent of parents said that it was, quote, extremely or very important to pass on their religious beliefs to their children. Let me read that line again. According to Pew Research, just 35 percent of parents said that it was extremely or very important to pass on their religious beliefs to their children. Now, this article, this is a Christian Post article, mm-hmm. and it's written by someone who's employed over at Focus on the Family. Uh, Zachary Mettler is his name. Okay. Um, and he goes on with some commentary that's included in this that I thought was really interesting. And I, I, so I want to share a little bit more of this article, and I'm going to try my best to be self-controlled to not unpack what he's written in this article. I think the article is well-written. I just wanted to run a highlighter over some of what he said. So bear with me here. I'm going to read a little bit more of this article to you. Mm-hmm. So um, Mettler here. If we look across the scope of Western society, honestly, this finding is not all that shocking. He's saying it's not all that shocking that parents are not passing on their faith to their children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Religious and moral relativism have seeped into modern civilization and left a theological mess in its wake. Religious and moral relativism. Many individuals no longer care about finding the truth, only about living according to what they think is true for them. Mm. Young adults have especially bought this lie. Christian Smith, director of the Center for the Study of Religion and Society, said this in his book, Souls in Transition. Quote here, very many emerging adults simply don't know how to think about things, what is right, what is deserving for them to devote their lives to. On such matters, they are often simply paralyzed. Mm. The world they have inherited, as best they can make sense of it, has told them that real knowledge is impossible and genuine values are illusions, end mm. quote. Now, mm. think about what we've been talking about. And we've talked about Carl Truman and the rise and tri- triumph of the modern self and how all of this stuff is based on people's feelings and what they believe to be true. So they get to create their own truth. OK, let me continue with this article. Coinciding with this faulty philosophy is the idea that faith mm-hmm. is opposed to reason. Mm. OK, yeah, this is everywhere we look, mm-hmm. guys. All right. The two are like oil and water. They cannot mix. Most, if not all, secular individuals have bought this lie and Christians have as well. Mm. So we, let me pause for a second. So we shy away from talking about faith and in some ways even actively passing the faith on to our children. Because maybe in the recesses of our mind, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe we think that it compromises their ability to reason. Wow. See, At, when when you were talking when you brought up this article, mm-hmm. I thought that that the thinking may have been more along the lines of not passing it down because I don't have a handle of it myself. Like, you know, I don't cuz seem like I think you may be right on that though. Okay, I I do think like that's an com- element of it. Okay. Cuz it seems like when it comes down to things like this and others, you know, we look to 
experts or people who we would consider to be ministers or mm-hmm. whatever to pass down uh, these types of, of things. And we feel like, uh, well, I don't have the best handle on, you know, which we should have a, a good it, handle on the, on the word of God. But, you know, to be able to pass things down. Yes. It, here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that the Lord has fit together his bride, mm-hmm. the, the, the members of his body. I should say that way. That's the best, better illustration. Fit together the members of the body mm-hmm. of Christ. He has done this in a brilliant way because he Amen. is brilliant. Right. Yes. And so I really do believe that there are people who have various disciplines that we can draw from yes, to help definitely. us build up where we lack. But here's the thing. Those things should be supplements for our ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ, whereby as we are reading scripture, he is speaking to us. Our knowledge of him is growing. And so then we begin to confidently pass on to our kids that knowledge. Now we can add to that knowledge Mm -hmm. because what's going to happen inevitably, what's going to happen is that you're going to come across a question, even that you yourself would have, mm-hmm. right? You're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to come across a question. Your yes. kids are going to come across a question. And in that moment, you, you may not have the answer. Mm. That does not mean that there isn't an answer. It just means that you don't have the answer, Man. but I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. There are oftentimes, hold your thought, Will the Great. Mm-hmm. I don't, I want to, I want to make sure you make your point. Yeah. Yeah. We often deny ourselves the opportunity mm-hmm. to see the Holy Spirit at work in our life in real time. I just want to say that you may not have the answer, mm. but you may. Yeah. Why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells you. And sometimes we try to we try to absent ourselves from those situations that make us uncomfortable where we think, oh, I don't know. You you could seek the Lord mm-hmm. and he could reveal to you and help you answer the questions that your kids have. OK, Willie Great, you were going to say. No, I was going to say Taylor, Taylor made in those um, instructional uh, aspects of what we pass down to our children is the, are the, are those experiences that we have with God as well. So it's not all like you're saying is, it's not all per se like academic. That's right. But man, those experiences that you have as a person, you know, with the Lord, man, those translate as well as, you know, teaching moments for your children, you know? And, and I think all those things are tailor made because you, you are equipped by God to to give to your children what they need, you know. So I believe he placed that in in all of us. And so even the experiences as well as mm-hmm. the knowledge, you know, it all works together. It really does. You know, I, I really wish that we could see the, the experiences that we have mm-hmm. with the Lord, like in relationship with him. I wish that we could we could understand that this is a continuation of the the work of the Holy Spirit that mm-hmm. we read about in scripture. Mm-hmm. Like if we understand, I think and and probably some of this is because we approach the Bible as um just some holy book that we read. Mm-hmm. And this is God's holy word. I please hear me and understand me well. But if we could understand the historicity of the scriptures that we are reading the accounts of men. Mm-hmm. Like so so when we talk about our experiences with God, those things are backed up by the evidence contained in scripture that God calls you to live life where he encounters you. You are you are living for the glory of God every single day, mm. which includes routine encounters with him. Yeah. Where he is speaking to you by the power of his word, where he's speaking to your heart by the power of his Holy Spirit. And and when we don't couple those things with the knowledge, right? Then we have kids who are just religious in some ways, right? 
in other ways, and, and man, unfortunately, just functional atheists. Mm. All right, we got to grab the break. We'll be right back. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Give me you. Everything else can wait. Give me you. I hope I'm not too late. Lord, give me you. Lord, give me you. Lord, give me you. Lord, give me you. Man, if we, if we could really understand that we can fully trust the Lord, that we can trust him with our children that we don't have to be intimidated by the possible questions or um, the debates that often come from our children. If you, if you're honest about the nature and the character of your child, you know that your child would debate you on the flavor of cereal. So like, (laughs) you know, debates about the gospel should not come as a shock to you, right? Like they, they don't believe you if you tell them, Hey, try this. It's good. They're kind of like, they don't know. You know what I mean? They don't. So they, they have questions. Well, what's in it? Well, I mean, because what does it taste like? though? What is it like? Have I had anything that is similar? Maybe those are not your kids. <laughs> but the, it's at least one yes. of ours. Yes. Uh, but we can trust the Lord. We can trust the Lord. Living faithfully, right? We can trust the Lord. I'll, I'll share this example. And I want to go back to this this article again, because I say we are raising kids in real time. And so this, this drive and this passion this conviction about the job that we have to do as parents is not from some, you know, philosophical position. It's I'm in the trenches. I'm doing this right now. And it matters mm, to me right. that our kids know who the Lord Jesus Christ is, Amen. that we live life faithfully so that they will ask questions about why we do things that may be different from the way the rest of the world is doing things. Uh, recently we had this conversation and um, it was you know, with our son, J.D., who will be 13 next month. Mm -hmm. And J.D. was kind of bothered by the way he perceived that I did not faithfully share the gospel. Okay. (laughs) And he was really bothered by by my telling of this encounter. So I was in I was in a coffee shop and I was uh, studying and preparing some things. And and this man saw what I was w- working with and I had my Bible out. And so he walked up to ask me some questions. And so my first question for him, cause I always want to establish like a point of reference, like who am I talking to? My mm-hmm. first question for him was, are you a Christian? And he said, mm, kinda. And he put Christian in air quotes. So then that immediately told me, no, you're not. <laughs> okay. Right. Like Christians don't put Christian in air quotes. Right. So I start to try to reason with this man. I don't want to go into all the detail because I want to get back to this article and I want to get to the point of why I'm even bringing this story to air. So I start trying a little bit to reason with this man and he starts telling me that he believes that God is in all of us and that, you know, we are sort of many gods. And so then, um, you know, I try to explain to him from the scriptures that that just isn't true. And, but he had no interest in hearing what I was what I was saying, he just wanted to teach me that we are all gods. And so I have no space for that. And once it was (laughs) evident to me that he was not interested in truth, in fact, he believed he had it and he just wanted to convince me. I said, ah, you know, I really, I've got some stuff that I'm working on here. And so I just, I don't, I, and he's, oh yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Maybe I'll see you again and and we can talk about it. And I'm thinking, you're not going to convince me. (laughs) Like you're not, we're, no, it's not happening. Right. 
And so when I came home, I was I was sharing about this encounter. And I didn't realize that as I was sharing this and the way that I was sharing it, that J.D. felt like I had been unfaithful in the sharing of the gospel. And unfaithful may be a strong word, but he felt like I didn't press in hard enough. And so he and I and Will the Great um, kind of stole away from the rest of the family to have a conversation about this. And he said, and, and I'll just be 100% with you guys because it really affected me. I thought, oh, man. I would never want him to think that the gospel is not of utmost importance to me, even the sharing of it with perfect strangers, right? That, that, that is important. And so he said, he said, mom, I just, I just know you. And he goes, I know that you are capable of like making a sound argument and just leaning in. And and he goes, if I had been there, I wouldn't have given up so easily is what he said. You know, (laughs) I would have spent more time convincing. And I said, man, buddy, you know, it's, it's hard for me. I'm trying to explain to you that, in sharing the gospel with people, you've also got to be aware of where they are because the Bible cautions us that we don't want to get caught up in, into quarrels with right. people, right? That right. the Lord's servant must not quarrel. And so I felt like in talking with this man, it was turning into like a, you know, he's right, you're wrong. And and so I didn't, I felt like it was not fruitful for me to continue on. And, and I think that was enough. You know, after we talked for we talked for a good bit, didn't we, Will the Graham? Yes, we talked we did. for a, it was a good bit, yes. good long conversation. And but still, I went to bed that night and I was kind of bothered. And I was just like, Lord, you know, you know. So this was last weekend or last week. So fast forward. And this is what I mean when I say we can trust the Lord. So our son is sitting in Sunday school where Maria Hamilton the Third is teaching apologetics, and. <laughs> She, she, who also leads our apologetics, youth apologetics track um, for the MFL conference, she's teaching apologetics and she's talking about giving a defense and being ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within us, you know, being ready to respond to people's objections. But then she says, she says, but you got to know, you got to know when it's time to stop. Mm. She goes, because the Bible lays out very clearly that the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. She goes, so, so you got to know, she goes, cause it's, it can't be about debating people and winning arguments. She goes, what we're teaching you here on a Sunday morning is not to fill you with knowledge, to win arguments. She says, we want you to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have, but it is not to just debate people. You got to know when that's, when it's enough. And then she gave her own personal um, illustration to kind of make that point. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in the back and I'm listening and I'm thinking, Lord, I can trust you. I I can trust you. I don't have to use my many words to convince. I can live a faithful life. I can present what I, what I thought in the moment. This is what I felt the Lord was leading me to do. And we can trust after the class. My son sits next to me during our main service. And he says, mom, did you hear what Miss Maria said about not quarreling in the presentation of the gospel? I said, uh, yeah, I did. I did hear that. And he said, I thought about what we talked about. And I, oh, Lord, thank you. We can trust the Lord with our children. Mm. Now, what I can't do in my many words, right? The Holy Spirit is able to do in a moment, right? right? And in a confirming message, you've had these experiences. What am I saying? And this is probably going to be a part two because I can see where the time is going. We have to put in the effort to live life faithfully with our children, to pass on the truth of who Jesus Christ is, to make sure they understand that along with what we believe, there are requirements of us. We are now called to live holy lives. Why is that important? Well, because when we're living those holy lives, I've already said this many, many times, 
by the time we get to first Peter chapter three, verse 15, we live chapter one, we've lived chapter two, right? And what now is the response? People see that we're different. And so now we've got to tell people why we're different. I want to get back to this article here again, just to reset parents. We must do our job. Mm -hmm. We must tell our children who Jesus Christ is. We must teach them that their faith is not a blind faith that is monogrammed on a shirt. Right. It is. You don't tell kids, oh, just have faith or just believe. Right. I've, I've said this when I've presented um, in, in a setting on location with people. And I'm going to say it here. I think I've said it on the air. Um, we teach faith and we teach belief like we teach fractions. Fractions don't make sense unless you have a whole Unless you have something that you're working with, you, you don't walk up to people and say, give me a third. It's a third of what? You say, what's bigger? One third or one half? You can't answer that question until you know of what? You have to know of what? So we don't tell our kids, oh, just have faith or just believe. It is have faith in God. Believe that what Jesus Christ did is sufficient for the saving of your soul. So we, it's not just this blind sort of um, spiritualism that we are tempted to pass on to our kids. It's got to be the most ardent faith. That's what we want to pass on to our kids. Amen. Now back to this article. As an example, I'm picking up reading this article as an example. And this is talking about how the, un the understanding of faith in America has changed and has been redefined just to give you some context. Harvard, Harvard psychologist, Steven Pinker has incorrectly defined faith in this way. And this is Steven Pinker's, definition of faith. He says, universities are about reason, pure and simple. Believing something without good reasons to do so has no place in anything but a religious institution. And our society has no, sh no shortage of these. Okay. So the psychologist is saying that universities are about reason. They are about reason. Then what he is doing he is contrasting that to faith. Mm. And what he is saying is that faith is believing something without any good reason to do so. <laughs> but he says universities are about reason. You know, the ones that teach the gender studies and that there's no such thing oh, as on. male or female. Right. Like right. and that kids are supposed to believe that. And before they switch the tassel, <laughs> they are thoroughly baptized in that. And that's supposed to be reasonable. And what I would say to this psychologist is that just because you say something does not make it so just because you have said it does not make it so. But can I say something else to the point that he's making far too often we pass down a quote unquote faith like that to our kids. Oh, just believe, just believe. No, we believe because we have a reason to do so. Amen. And this is why I began with the drawing work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, our feelings are involved in our conversion, but it does remain. It does not remain the product of our feelings. We have to investigate this faith that we've come to. One of my favorite things to do with our children is to remind them that they are reading historical accounts in scripture. Mm -hmm. These are not fables. This is what actually happened. Right. And I'm going to go back to Peter. I'm going to, uh, I would show you something in, um, in acts, but I want to go back to Peter. This is what Peter said in his second letter. Second Peter chapter one, 
verse 16. Now listen and think about this in the context of, okay, what am I passing down to my children? Am, am I comfortable with them seeing animals hanging off the side of a boat <laughs> and, and say, you know, am, am I comfortable with that? There comes a point where you start to go, well, that's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> if I'm telling that the entire world was destroyed by water and, and man, then I want them to understand what we believe really happened. Okay. Verse 16, mm-hmm. chapter one. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Mm. <laughs> For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this <laughs> is my son, mm-hmm. my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born <laughs> from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. Mm. So Peter is saying, I am not passing down to you some myth or something that I just kind of hope is true. Peter is like, I was there. Right. I was the one doing all of the talking. Should we set up a tent for you? Should we do this? (laughs) And, and, and God says, this is my son. Listen to him. Mm. Peter's like, yeah, that was me. The one who couldn't find the period to stop talking, like to come to the (laughs) end of my words. I was there. What I am telling you, I saw. If you look in the book of Acts, this is Luke's second account. All right. So if you look at the book of Acts, if you read through the Bible with your children, there are some things that just begin to jump out of the scriptures that will fascinate them, that will excite them, Mm. that will cause them to have trust in what they're reading. Faith in God. Right. So here we have Luke's account. If you're reading in Acts chapter 16, I'm going to pick up here. Because I want to show you a clear transition in the use of pronouns here where Luke goes from recording this account. okay, Mm -hmm. to actually recording it and he's in it. okay, so it goes from they and them to we and us. Mm. So if you are going through books like this with your kids and you come across things, these are the moments where you stop with them and you say, whoa, look at this. So here we have. In Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul comes to Derby. There's a disciple there named Timothy. Now Luke is recording this as an account. But then as they are continuing to travel, when they get to Troas, all of a sudden there's a shift here. And so in chapter 6, verse 9, well, I'll start at verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Mm -hmm. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we, we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us Mm -hmm. to preach the gospel to them. So then as you continue reading and you guys will remember from a few days ago when I read the account of the slave girl following after Paul and his companions and like these are the men of the most high God. Luke is there. Yeah. Luke says, and we were going to the place of prayer and we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. Mm-hmm. So this is not Luke just kind of hoping that maybe this is true. No, this is this is Luke. I'm I'm this is what I'm recording that I have learned. And this is what I'm recording that I'm actually a part of this. I'm actually here when this is happening. 
And so then if you have kids who start to say, well, I don't know if we can trust history, then then okay. Do you have that same kind of approach to your history teachers at school? <laughs> do, you, do you take that same kind of approach? You've got a firsthand account here. Guys, we have been called to a faith that is real, that we can trust. All right, maybe more on this. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.